That is so cool. So what I do every day is I help companies that are looking to increase their top line. Get your top line revenue. You want to make more sales. You want to reach more customers. You want to have a better customer journey or experience. Our customers are becoming more and more cocooned. How do we get into that cocoon? How do we build trust and loyalty? I tell people all the time that we buy from people we know, like, and trust. The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love. But our job the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast. On with Scott Sullivan. Um, I got, well, I'll let Scott introduce. Well, I'll tell a story. I do two interviews a week with podcasts, and the one this morning actually canceled. And I was kind of praying. I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to find someone for this week. And uh, God delivered in the form of Scott Sullivan. So, Scott, we, we've chatted a bit. Everybody knows you in solar, but for those that don't know you in solar, give us a quick little rundown. Well, thank you very much, Cody, for having me. First of all, as a guest, I appreciate it. Finding freedom. Finding freedom means a whole lot of things to a lot of different people, and I'm anxious to dig into that. But a little bit about my background. I'm 30 years in the energy business. I'm a, I really am a one-trick pony, but that 30 years has been uh, just in sales and marketing. I'm, I'm not your CEO kind of guy. I'm not the guy that's going to make sure that your bottom line is running smoothly. But if you've got a sales and marketing uh, you know, problem or if you have an objection or if you want to get over that next hurdle, I am your guy. So I tell people all the time, I'm not zero to one on the startup. I'm one to 100 million. So if, you need, if you've already made your first sale and you've got a great product or service and you want to take it to market, I am your guy. And Jim Collins says, put the right guy on the bus, make the right guys driving and put the right people in the right seats. I am good to great every day. I'm not that zero to one guy. So that's the way I describe myself. Cool. Love it. Now, let me ask you this. Were you, were you magically born that way or was this something you developed into over time? Right? Because some people are. Some people are just like born into sales and marketing, but other people kind of have to find a few paths to get there. What was your path to get to that point? Well, that's a great question. I tell people all the time when I do my trainings and my seminars that I think of that there's this old medieval weapon that was a long stick and it had a chain on it that it had a ball on it and that ball had spikes on it and it was called a mace. And I tell people all the time, the world wants you to be well-rounded. I mean, if you're a boomer, you've got a little bit of gray hair like I do, and you've been doing this for a while, when you were filling out your college application, they say, well, we want a well-rounded person. We want somebody that was in the, on the football team and on the chess club too, right? So that you were well-rounded. The world wants to knock all those little spikes off and make you turn you into a cue ball. Whereas what I say is if you take somebody, if you call those spikes talents and that, that spike that rises up off the top of the surface of that ball is your inherent skill or talent and then you ad- apply training to that, then you become world renowned. So you take a, 
you know, a world-class swimmer, you know, there's a few of them out there. You take a world-class you know, football player or a race car driver or, you know, or an NBA star. They have the inherent ability. If I took the same lessons that Michael Jordan did, I still wouldn't be able to shoot 90% from the free throw line, right? So there's got to be a little bit of both. So what I tell people is I say, I was born with a with something, don't know what that was, but there were some skills, and then over the years, I've honed it. Now, if you want to ask me, you know, to stand at a free throw line and shoot baskets, that's not going to, I'm not going to be able to tell you that, and I'm not going to be able to do a very good job at that, but if you want to put me in a home and you want to sell solar to that homeowner, and you want to be able to do a value proposition for a complex, you know, energy situation, not a problem. I'm your guy for that. Cool. So, so several decades in the energy space. Now, energy is a huge space, right? So is that yes. energy in terms of petroleum? Because I've dealt with people in that industry. Or is it renewables? Or kind of give, let's, be, let's teach the, or tell the audience some more specifics about oh. what the energy space means in terms of Scott's context. You're really going to, you're really going to make me say it, aren't you? Okay. I put in my time at the little company called Enron, like everybody else did. Oh, you're just, you're going to, you're going to kill me. Now I'm going to get this bad reputation. I have worked in the petrochemical world. I have okay. worked in okay. Brown. So that's where it started. Our, this is good. This is like, and I think that context is, is awesome. So keep going. Yeah. So I have worked in petrochemical world. So I started off working for the actual utility. I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. And in the old days, there was no such thing as decoupled electricity from, you know, you just, you went in, it was a monopoly, a true real form monopoly. And you walked in, if you built a building or if you had a business, you only had one choice on electricity. And I was that customer service rep that would come out and help you you know, get established, find out whether you wanted primary power, secondary power. I'm not going to geek out on you. And then I would help you build that out. And then I would be your liaison back to the utility. Well, then I come to find out there's this thing in California called deregulated electricity. Oh my gosh, I'm part of that. Jump on a plane. I find myself in Southern California. I was employee 14 of a company called New Energy Ventures, the first deregulated energy company in uh, Southern California, Edison ran by Mike Peavy, who's still a good friend of mine. And Mike Peavy has, uh, went on to become the president of the California Public Utilities Commission and uh, has just absolutely revolutionized the way power was delivered. And then somebody calls me up and says, hey, have you heard about this company uh, called Unisolar? They're making this flexible panel that creates electricity. And I went, Oh, I am so in. So I kind of made the transition. I turned turned the corner on the left-hand side. I went over, and now my wife says I'm paying my penance by putting solar on everybody's homes and businesses now rather than uh, teaching them how to use natural gas and uh, coal-fired electricity. Okay. So you, you started in more traditional utility scale. And Correct. And now you're mostly in the renewable, like, solar space. I am almost exclusively in renewable. Almost I do, I, so I do, what made I do you, water and efficiency. Yeah. So what, what made you decide to switch over? Because I, I think this is an interesting conversation as a whole because there, there really is two camps right now. There's the utility scale, and that could be solar, wind, coal, whatever. And then there's the, de the like decentralized. And a lot of times people look at solar or wind and be like, 
they're all happy together. It's like, actually, no, there's two camps within solar. There's utility scale, very different mindset and people and everything versus the decentralized, but you've kind of bridged that gap. And so I think maybe if we have that discussion, that may be a, a lot, like your micro stuff might reflect a bigger macro reality. Maybe. Uh, one of the things that I have done, I have been able to, to so that we need to have a much clearer definition of what utility scale is because it's gotten very ambiguous, right? It, there used to be a day in California, this is years ago, that if it was under 30 kW, if it was under 30 kilowatts, it was considered to be residential, didn't matter where you put it. It didn't, it was a size, right? Mm -hmm. And then anything over 30 kW was considered commercial. Then we kind of started putting in what does distributed generation look like? Now with distributed generation, it's not about size, it's about where you put it. And then the utilities started saying, wait a minute, if you're SMUD, I wanna own it and I'll rent your roof from you and I'll give you a lower price, but I wanna own that asset on your roof. And if you're PG&E, they're saying, well, we'll let you put that on and we'll still provide pipes and wires. And if you need any extra power, hey, we're here for you. Because they, they decoupled the generation from the pipes and wires or the distribution model. So those kind of things are, have gotten extremely muddy. And now we've got companies that are saying, look, instead of building a brand new giant coal-fired power plant for $2 a watt in Kansas, that is going to have a fuel component, why not build that same exact you know, generation component for $2 a watt and no fuel ever, no fuel costs. So now all of a sudden, it has come to the point where it makes economic sense. So now utilities, very large utilities are saying, I don't care where my electrons come from. I don't care if they're natural gas fired. I don't care if it's coal fired. I don't care if it's sun or wind because at the same, at, at the end of the day, I'm making the same amount of margin. I build it for $2 a watt. I have a fuel cost or I don't have a fuel cost. I have an amortized or what's called an LCOE, a levelized cost of energy over a 20 year period. And I get to sell it to my rate payers for a margin and I make money. So the utilities are now to the point where they're just kind of shrugging and going, I don't care. You know, I'll put out an RFP for power. And if you, however you decide to want to build it, I'm in, put me in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, what was your transition from the utility scale or, or this energy side to the more localized solar residential? Well, I think the transition for me was real simple. Uh, you can help more people and when you get down into the field, right? If you're, if you're taking you know, 1,400 or 1,500 acres and covering it with glass and solar panels in the desert, and then you're running a wire the size of your leg you know, 400 miles back to San Francisco to power the, the city versus I can put solar on your roof, Cody, and I can get your electric bill down to zero and if you have the cash, you know, the net present value of the cash to pay for it now, your electric bill is still zero. Or if you want to finance it, I can take a $400. I'm taking this money from here and I'm moving it over here because I take your $400 electric bill and I give you a $200 lease or loan or some kind of payment system for buying it. And for the next 20 years, you save $200 a month. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it becomes a no-brainer. It's like, it, I use the analogy, and we've all done this over the years, selling solar is, wouldn't you like to be able to buy a lifetime supply or 20-year supply of gasoline at 1969 prices when it was 15 cents a gallon? And now you have it, you know, instead of going to the pump at $4 and something a gallon, you put your credit card in and your magic credit card lets you buy gas for 15 cents a gallon. Wow, aren't you smart, right? Because that's exactly what's happening. Very few things are going down in price dramatically, especially in services and utilities, those kind of things. And if the chart goes up and to the right and you fix your price, Hey, good for you. So I tell people all the time, even if you're even if you're not a fan of solar, even if you're not trying to save the planet, you might as well make an extra few hundred dollars for your family. Yeah. So, and so that's, for you, that was, was my transition. A, it was a more conceptual, like this just makes sense. Why would you not do it? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Plus, you can help more people. Um, yeah. You know, I can help the I can help PG and E make another half a billion dollars, or I can help you know Cody and his family you know, save, save uh, $500 this year and the cost of electricity and have a, a nicer Christmas each year or take a family vacation. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there for a second. Cause we, before to help the people that are listening, get a little context, you and I had a conversation between millennials and boomers and uh, you just said a very millennial thing. You said something was very purpose driven, very like, yes. you know, like I, I'm going to do this for financial sense, but also there's this greater need here. And I, let's, I, this is a good segue into kind of some generational differences because you deal with sales and sales training a lot. And uh, I guess for so, well, what, what do you see in those generational differences when, when either you're training new reps or maybe you're talking to clients in how that affects how you do business in terms of like, like for example, a millennial, very mission driven. Um, not that they're not money driven. It's just mission driven is usually a little higher priority. Um, yes. Whereas with, with the, the boomer generation or even Gen X, it's a little bit more practical, you know, cause they understand that guess what? The economy can go up and down. <laughs> and uh, that means I need to do something practical. And I, I bet you the next recession that we have, the millennials are kind of, kind of correct that mission oriented stuff, be more practical. Um, but for you, you spanned a lot of years of sales coaching. What are, what are the differences? How do you adapt to that? Wow, that's a great question. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you my secret sauce. Uh, if anybody out there wants to partner with me, I want to start a company called Rebel Solar. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But here's the thing. If I'm talking to a room full of millennials, well, let's, let's go the other way. If I'm talking to a room full of boomers, uh, gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen like myself that are, let's say, over 50, I'm just going to use that kind of that kind of uh, age demographic. Now, I'm not going to tell you how much over 50 I am, but if you're in that if you're in that age group, you were taught, you know, get out of school, go to college, learn a trade, have a job, stay there for 50 years, buy a house, you know, have, create a home, have three kids, and and just do the whole thing again. If we shift ahead now and go to that same room full of millennials. They don't own a home. They've found other ways to invest their money. It's purpose-driven. Why, why should I tie myself down to a 25-year mortgage? Uh, at the end of the day, are you going to sell the house and actually, you know, the tax implications are so much different than they were when we were kids. Uh, where am I going to come up with 30% down for a down payment now on a 
$200,000 home anywhere um, I can rent and have flexibility for my job, my career. I'm in the gig economy. I may want to take my kids and go to get on a sailboat and go for six months around the world, sell the sailboat on the other end and live in the Philippines for six months. I mean, none of that was the mentality of the boomer. That's the mentality and the thought process of a millennial because my kids could get a much better education learning from the culture and the world, whereas a lot of my generation don't even have passports. I mean, my father died never having left the, the, the country of the United States of America other than when, when uh, you know, Uncle Sam sent him off to some jungle to fight, right? So it, it's just a total different world that we live in today. Now, flash ahead to Rebel Solar. How do I then make a statement? How do I then say to the world without making a sign with the World Trade Organization and marching in the streets of Seattle, how do I make a statement to America or to the world about solar as a millennial? I do what's called Rebel Solar. I get one solar panel, I stick it up in my window, that solar panel charges my phone, or maybe I have a DC direct DC light. Um, I put it up in my window and I let everybody know I'm saving the planet. I don't need the roof space. I don't need to own the roof space. I'm a renter. I rent for a living, but I can take these six solar panels and just suction cup, on them, suction cup them to the wall, and I can use that DC power and reduce my own electric bill. And you know what, utility? Hey, I don't need to pay you. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that opens a whole other market. Then I, then I never have to ask the question, are you a homeowner? I just have to ask, do, do you have a cell phone? And yeah, everybody's gonna or say do, you, do you want to save the planet? Do you care about this planet? <laughs> awesome, awesome. So that, that, goes over a little bit about training, a little bit about you. What do you do now? Like, what's your, what's your mission? What's your, I, I again, I'm sucking back into the millennial thing, but I guess what's your day to day? What's your, yeah. So my mission is real simple. I help people. I, I run, uh, I have my own podcast. Thank you for being a guest on, on uh, finding freedom, but I have a podcast called sales with Sully and I take my 35 years of, of sales and marketing experience. Some of the things have come around the old school. It's come back around into into vogue. Uh, there are some really new things going on. We didn't have social media. When I was in, in uh, college, we didn't have computers or cell phones or fax machines or any of those things. I did my, uh, my thesis on a Smith Corona electric typewriter, you know, those types of things. Well, so, so a lot of the old school still translates. It just translates into a new digital world. So I've lived through analog through digital. And I, I teach this, but I tell people is that I'm a digital migrant. I migrated from analog to digital. My grandkids, oh my gosh, I'm dating myself, sorry. My grandson, you know, picks up an iPad and knows exactly intuitive what it is, how to work it, what to do. Whereas I had to learn as I moved from analog to digital. But my grandson also has no idea what an eight track tape is, what a cassette tape is what a slide rule looks like, what, you know, those, if you wanted to see those things, he would have to go to a museum, literally, right? Doesn't, he has no idea what a fax machine is, doesn't know what it looks like, doesn't know how it would work. To him, it has a phone receiver, and he doesn't even know what that looks like, because to him, a phone, you know, looks like this. <laughs> That's, he thinks a phone is a little square box, yeah. right? So he has no context for where that comes from. 
that is so cool. So what I do every day is I help companies that are looking to increase their top line. Get your top line revenue. You want to make more sales. You want to reach more customers. You want to have a better customer journey or experience. Our customers are becoming more and more cocooned. How do we get into that cocoon? How do we build trust and loyalty? I tell people all the time that we buy from people we know, like, and trust. So how do you build that knowledge, that like, and that trust? How do you do it? Through social media, through you know, actually doing what you say you're going to do and customer service and pick up the phone and actually call them. You know, uh, so many buying decisions are made now where no human being actually ever talks to anybody. You could just be, yeah. you could be one, they go to your website and look, and if you don't have the right information, then the millennials are already past you. You're, you've already been told no, and you didn't even know it. So I help companies that want to come into this century and stop being that boomer and start looking like, how do I communicate with the people that are making the buying decisions? In a lot of cases, those buying decisions are being made by, by millennials that aren't even employees. They're contractors. They're in part of the gig economy. So they say, hey, Cody, go out and find me four solar companies to give me a price on putting solar on the warehouse. And he doesn't even work there. He's, an empl he's a contractor that has been working there, working on a separate project. And now all of a sudden, those decisions are being made. And he's already ruled you out. And he's never even met you just by looking at your website. Yeah. So, the, I, so if I'm a CEO or, or a director in business or some kind of executive, I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, well, that's great. But I hear this all the time. I hear Hire social, there's, a, there's social media experts everywhere, right? Yeah. And so how, how what, what do you say to that person that says, well, how do I know that this is actually going to work versus my 25-year-old who says they're a social media expert because they post on Instagram? Well, it's not just social media, so I want to be really clear. This okay. is well, a... I'm not, I'm, I mean, oh, sorry, like transitioning to the digital digital space. Right. Yeah. But it's a it's a holistic approach. So that's the difference from me because I can I can bring that experience. If you're hiring, sorry, and I, I'm not picking on 25-year-olds, but if you're hiring a 25-year-old social media expert right now, they have no none of that context I was just telling you about. I'm a digital migrant. I lived in the analog world that they're in now. If the gentleman or the lady sitting behind the desk that has the title CEO is over a certain age, they have absolutely no concept of what it took to get from where they are today to get into the digital world to appeal to millennials. So I am able to bridge that gap for them. I come in and say, look, I've been in the social media and the, and marketing and sales arena. Your salespeople are not functioning the same as they used to. That's sitting there dialing for dollars, that, you know, making cold calls, pulling out a phone book. What the hell's a phone book? You know, pulling out a phone book and dialing for that. It's dead. If you're still doing that, it's no wonder your phone's not ringing. If you're running print ads, you know, in the daily newspaper, it's no wonder your phone's not ringing. It's no wonder you're about to go out of business. We need to then revamp your, your entire, we need to look at your entire sales uh, strategy. We look at the entire sales process. Where are the holes that are in your sales process? And then we backfill with little pieces of social media. We help you find and do lead generation that is not like your old lead generation. We're not you know, and I'm not picking again on the solar companies, but we're not knocking doors anymore. 
I taught, I taught hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people how to knock doors. I, I, have an enti I had entire training sessions to teach people how to actually work a neighborhood. I even called it the Neighborhood Domination Program. So we knew how to work a neighborhood and we knew how to maximize getting in and getting that appointment and sitting at the kitchen table and doing the one sit close and walking out of there with a contract and high fiving the guys that were outside waiting on you. Right. We, we did that, but that's, that's also changed dramatically. We've got technology now where I can send you a 3d app. I can log on and send you a video proposal and never have to see you. We can have this conversation over Zoom on a video call like the Jetsons. And that, 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 that reference is completely lost on anybody under 50. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I, I, I grew up in a rural town in Idaho. And uh, anyway, my, uh, my teachers were all over the age of 60, and we sang songs from the Depression. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. My wife makes fun of me for my education because it's very very different but anyway i ask i i like to ask a lot of questions when i come in and meet with a, a ceo or a or a sales director for you know as a potential client the first time i always ask a lot of questions like how many tv stations did you have growing up if it's more than three yeah you're probably not the right customer for me <laughs> i've never heard that question asked as a qualifying question but i like it okay so you're i i, I well one thing, an analogy that you brought to my mind was there's a lot of like, just for a normal sales rep, there's a lot that are just naturally talented, but they really suck at teaching others because it's so innate. But what, but what you're saying is, it's like someone that just can get like a young person to get on social media, just because they post a lot, does not, not necessarily mean they can use that skill to help actually, or not necessarily social media, but just use the digital space, right? That just because they can work a computer and buy stuff online doesn't mean they can actually translate that to actual business results. And so what you're Correct. saying is, is like, I had to figure out a system that was working for me because it wasn't innate. It wasn't what I grew up with. And so because I can give repeated results, that's the value. There you go. It's just like learning over again. You know, um, this is not, this is going to be lost on you, but if your listeners right now, if I'll tell you, my first car was a 1968 Ford XL with an AM FM eight track tape player. And we knew exactly how far to fast forward it and then click three other tracks to get back to our favorite song. So if you know how to do that repeatable, you become the, the disc jockey of the seventies, right? Because now all of a sudden you know how to get to the favorite song on a endless loop called an eight track, right? So you, so you mentioned a few things um, I want to touch base on real quick, and we're getting close to the end of our time because I, I like these long interviews, but I also understand that after a while, people's attention, or their drive actually just cut, gets cut short because that's the most people listen to podcast after a 30-minute uh, drive. They should be in the office. Um, so, <laughs> but you mentioned selling solar online, and I do want to highlight that a bit because I think it's really important because there's a lot of people, even really young people, that still feel like it's an in-home game and that you shouldn't or can't do it online. But with, with you guys, you're definitely proving that is not, not only not the case, it's actually the exception. Exactly. I, I tell people, I tell my clients right now that if, if you are starting off with not at least 50% of your sales closing right now without ever meeting your client, then you've got a lot of work to do because you're, it's a different sales model and it's a different amount of information that you have to give to a client. 
most of our clients, if you, I just take everybody that's listening right now, think about the last three things that you bought and did you actually physically go somewhere to buy them? Did you physically have somebody come to your house to sell you or did you click on an app or a, or a piece of software and then had it delivered to your door? That's why I think that if we look at how Americans and people all over the world, but how Americans especially are now buying, how we are spending our disposable income, I, ha I can have my groceries delivered to my home, I can have food delivered to my house, and it doesn't have to be pizza or Chinese, which used to be the only way, right? And I had to be in a big urban area. I can do you know, Amazon, I can do every, Walmart.com, just about everybody now, I can bring materials into my home and not have to have that face-to-face -face interaction with a sales representative. I can then even do things like, you know, buy clothing and shoes and, and the apps that are, are helping us to, to, to take care of that customer service. I can tell how big my, I, they even have an app now, you can set your phone up and stand and look at it and turn 360 degrees. I'll tell you what size, you know, suit you wear and what size shirt and neck and everything else, just because, you know, the technology has gotten there. I don't have to go in and be measured and all that anymore. I can just order it. They, they tell me exactly what size I need. I pick the color and 99% of the time it fits perfectly. And the 1%, they give me great customer service and replace it. Yep. Love it. So there's a couple things that's high out here at the end. Let's say I'm listening and I'm thinking, dang, Scott's got something I really like to hear. How do, how do they get a hold of Scott? So they, they, he can, they can hear some more specifics. Because again, podcasts really like short, medium, yeah. just intro. What how do I take a deeper dive? Any, you can get a hold of me by, if you log on to any social media, I have been, my nickname has been Sully my entire life from the time I was a very young child. I have a group of people that have called me Sully my entire life. So if you put the at sign in front of sales with Sully, at sales with Sully, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just about anywhere you go on social media, if you put at sales with Sully, you can find me. If you are a, uh, if you're in business and you use LinkedIn, if you type in the name Scott Sullivan on uh, LinkedIn, chances are you're going to find me. I'm there. All of those places I just told you, I always include my phone number, my email address. I'm probably one of the easiest guys to get a hold of. If you want my website, it's real, real simple. It's Scott Sullivan. And that's two L's in Sullivan. So Scott, two T's, two L's, I tell people. Scott Sullivan, but it's .biz, B-I-Z, instead of .com. So scottsullivan.biz is my website. Of course, there's a million ways you can get through the, through to me through the website, of course, too. Uh, or, and my phone number is there also. Uh, you can also fill out an online form if that's the way you like to buy. We can have a free conversation like this anytime. We just get on the phone and talk about what your goals are uh, and what I can do to help. And if I can't, I'm I, my integrity is the most important thing that I have. So if I don't feel I can be of service and I can't at least double the sales you're doing, if I can't get you a 50% increase then I'm probably going to tell you is I'm not the right guy, right? Or, or maybe after you do a little homework, maybe we re-engage in a few months, right? Because there are some customers that just aren't there yet. And there are some clients that are way past what I'm doing and I don't bring any value. If I can't bring you value, 
I'm not going to take your money. That's what it's all about. So at the end of the day, scottsullivan.biz, B-I-Z, or at Sales with Sully on any of the social medias, and I'm there every day. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to, he also runs a podcast. If you go to any of those websites, you're going to be, be able to see the content that Scott puts out as well, and that's, that's great content. I, I am going to dive into the puppy dog sales because that caught my eye. I saw that, and I was like, I want to learn more about that. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a bunch out there, and he's been a very gracious guest on here, and just very thankful he's willing to, to jump on. So, so thank you, Scott. Is there anything else you'd like to, to say before we wrap up? No, I want to first of all thank Cody and uh, everybody right now. If you are uh, not a subscriber to um, you know, Finding Freedom, you should be. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple iTunes, just like me. Uh, go right down there at the bottom of the page. Hit the subscribe button because that's what keeps us in business. That's what keeps us engaged. That's how we can find out. Go to our social medias and leave us some feedback. You know, Say, hey, Cody. That's Scott, man. He sucked. I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk to you, brother. I want to find about how uh, finding freedom, you know, whatever it is. So uh, support us. Support your arts out there. Support the people that are giving and donating back. This, this is a labor of love. We do this because we actually care. We want you to be better at what you do. And if we can end up making an income out of it somewhere along the way, you know, Gary Vanachuk says all the time, you know, give, 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 then ask. And if you help enough people get to their goals, those, your goals will be achieved automatically. So uh, we always give from an open heart and I love it. I love you. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I, I appreciate you and what you're doing. 